Well, good morning, OCC. How you doing today? Good. Hey, whether you're in person with us in the room today or you're joining us online, we're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Have you ever tried to run from something? Have you ever had one of those moments where you have tried to get away by whatever means possible from some responsibility, some duty you had? That's my boy. (laughs) Now, back in the day when I was about four years old, my mom likes to tell the story that there was a night where she called me in for dinner. And I looked at my mom, I looked at my buddies, I looked back at my mom, and I emphatically said, no. Now, every mama in the room and every mama online is saying, oh, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Now, to be fair, it was a beautiful night. It was a perfect night for me as a little boy hanging out with my homies. And I was wanting to hang with them. And my mom was getting in the way. So I said no. And I jumped on my big wheel. And I went riding down the street to run away from her. All right, I was riding with my boys just like a little miniature bike gang. Now, to be more honest and be a little more accurate, it, it wasn't as much running away or even riding away. It was more like clunking away. Because if you remember those old big wheels from back in the day, like we would hit the brakes the same way with our foot, right? The same way. And it would wear down that front tire. That big front tire would get this flat spot on it. So there I went down the street, zoom, clunk, zoom, clunk, zoom, clunk, until, until my mama caught up with me. Boys, never underestimate the speed of an angry mom. And she caught up with me, and she pulled me off of my plastic steed. And what happened next is a blur, but all I know is I ended up back at that dinner table with the family that night. Now, like me, you've probably had moments in your life where you ran from some responsibility, where you were trying to get away from some duty, from something you were supposed to do, only in the end to find yourself right back in the very place doing the very thing you were trying to get away from in the first place. And because that's a common experience for all of us, today we're going to begin unpacking the story of the Bible's most famous runner, or more accurate, the most famous runawayer. Jonah, Jonah chapter one, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. God acknowledged this city is a special city. It's a significant city, but announce my judgment against that city because I have seen how wicked its people are. Though the city is great and it's powerful, the people are far from me. So Jonah's job as a prophet was to speak God's truth to other people and to bring those people to an awareness of their need to turn to God. It was often a thankless and dangerous job. Being a messenger, a prophet of God, wasn't altogether different than being a parent of teenagers, tasked with speaking truth clearly to people who don't always want to hear it. And just like a prophet, sometimes as a parent, you look at your kids, you tell them what's up, and they look back at you just like the people of the Old Testament looked at the prophets. They roll their eyes, and they think you're crazy, and they go on doing what they're doing anyway, right? So that was the situation for Jonah the prophet. Now, God had sent him to the city of Nineveh, or was trying to send him to the city of Nineveh. And Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians were the mean, nasty, bully neighbors to the north. They were the toughest people on the block. They were famous for their brutality. 
They had artwork throughout their city, but their artwork did not depict beautiful, serene landscapes and nice settings. It didn't depict all the beautiful landmarks within their nation or within their city. It didn't even portray their leaders in stoic positions. No, the artwork that was painted and carved into the walls of their city and the walls of their palace was artwork that depicted their brutality, the torture of their enemies. And some of that artwork, their enemies' body parts were seen being flung through the air. Nineveh was nicknamed the City of Blood. These were mean, nasty people. Brutality was their forte. Torture was their creed. And God said, Jonah, I want you to go to them. So it's natural for us to, to look at Jonah. And it's natural for Jonah to say, God, I, I don't want to go to those people because I want to stay alive. Those people are, are the enemies of my nation. Those people torture and kill people like me. I don't want to go there. But later in the book, Jonah gives us more insight to why he didn't want to go. It's not just self-preservation. It's because he didn't think those people were good enough. Jonah was a prophet to bring God's message to other people in hopes to get those people to repent, to turn from their ways and turn to God. But for Jonah, he says, God, those people don't deserve it. They're not worth it. They're too far gone. They're too evil. They're too nasty. God, of of anybody, they don't deserve your mercy. Jonah was low on compassion and high on bitterness. If we're honest, we all have a bit of Jonah in us. We would like to determine who God should save and who God should not save based upon how comfortable we are with those people. The people who have wronged us and hurt us are oftentimes the people we think least deserving of God's mercy and grace. That's how it was for Jonah. That's how it is for us. God, not them. In fact, it's really easy for us to distance ourselves from people who are far from God instead of helping those people close the gap between themselves and God. It's really easy for us to distance ourselves from people, to to stay away from people who we think are too far gone. The people who have wronged us, who have hurt us, who have offended us or angered us in some way. To go to the people who are hurting, that's a little bit easier. To go to the people who hurt others, that's a little more, more challenging. We'd rather not go to them and help them close that gap between God. We don't want to see God forgive them. We want to see God wipe them out. You can imagine how that was for Jonah. It would be similar if God were to tell a southern black Baptist preacher, show up at the KKK rally and let them know what's up. Preach repentance there. We'd we probably wouldn't think anything less if that preacher were to say, oh, oh God, do you know who those people are? That is the last place a guy like me should be found. We'd probably also want to hold it against that guy if he said, but God, why them? Just do us all a favor and just wipe them out. You take care of those people, God. I, I think the script in Jonah's head probably sounded something like, God, I don't like the Ninevites and they don't like me. So I'm not going there. I'm going the other way. We pick it up in verse 3 of chapter 1. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. Why? To get away from the Lord. Never a good reason. That's never a good plan. If I thought my mama was quick at coming after me, and if she left a little blur in my memory, don't try and run from God. (laughs) So Jonah went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. 
which is one of the worst named cities I can think of. That's just a tough word to say, Tarshish. So he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to that place. And Jonah was trying to run from God. Now look at what he's doing. He's trying to get away from the Lord. He's trying to escape from the Lord. He's a prophet of God. He knows that's not possible. But yet he's trying to go. He's trying to run. He's trying to flee. So let's look at Jonah's runaway map. This area here was an area that was known for Jonah and his people. They lived in this region down here. Jonah and the Israelites, the people of God. This is where they lived. Nineveh is about 550 miles away. So this is the trek Jonah's supposed to make across land, go to Nineveh. It's going to take him a little bit to trek that 500 plus miles. Now you might recognize Nineveh by its modern day name, Mosul, a city that's been in the news quite a bit over the last several years for intense fighting and conflict with ISIS and Al-Qaeda, where terrorism and bloodshed still reign supreme in that place in Iraq. But that's not where Jonah went. Jonah decided to go the opposite direction, 2,500 miles away down to where would be modern-day Spain. Now, for people at Jonah's time in Jonah's area, this was their map of the world. This is as much as they knew of the world. So this was like going to the other side of the world. For us, this would be going to Antarctica or going to Africa, going to the other side of the world, going as far away as we could imagine. This is like going from New York to California. Jonah's trying to run. And so that's where he goes. And he's sailing the wrong direction. Let's go back to a story. What, what happens next? Well, the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help, and they threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Now you know it's getting bad when the, the sailors are the ones crying out. Like I love the irony in this, where Jonah, a prophet of God, is running from God, and God sends this divine disruption in the form of a storm to wake Jonah up and get Jonah's attention. And the first people who cry out to some sort of divine entity are the sailors. Sailors are not typically known for their devout faith, (laughs) right? But we have certain phrases like a sailor, right? And so you know it's a serious situation when the sailors, these salty sailors, are the ones who say, hey, we should have a prayer meeting. <laughs> and so the sailors are gathering together. They're, 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 they're praying. And then they begin throwing the cargo, their livelihood, in essence, their paycheck overboard. That's how scared they are. Now, these guys weren't new to storms. They weren't new to the Mediterranean. They weren't new to being on a ship. But this storm seemed different than other storms, and they were scared. So they began throwing everything overboard in hopes of saving themselves, throwing away their money and praying. And during this whole time, where's Jonah? What's happening with Jonah? Where is he? Well, as it turns out, running away from God becomes quite exhausting. But all of this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole, down in the belly of the ship. So the captain of the ship went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, Jonah? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe your God will pay attention to us. Maybe your God will spare our lives. Now, I love the irony here again. It's hard not to see Jonah's sleep as a metaphor. 
There he is, asleep, while all this chaos is ensuing around him. And who does God send to him? God has already sent a divine disruption in the form of a storm. Now God sends a messenger to him to wake him up. The pagan captain comes to Jonah, shakes him awake. What are you doing? You're sleeping. How can you sleep at a time like this? You of all people should be praying. Jonah, you're a prophet of God. You should be praying. Instead, you're sleeping? God sends a divine disruption. He rocks Jonah's world. He sends an unlikely messenger to wake Jonah up. We can't miss the spiritual metaphor here. God was willing to do whatever it took to get Jonah's attention. And he'll do whatever it takes to get your attention. Friend, is God sending a wake-up call to you? Is he shaking up your world? Has God sent a divine disruption to get your attention? God doesn't do this to be against us. God does this to draw us back to himself, to wake us up from the destructive nature of our rebellion, of going the wrong way. So if God is shaking things up in your world, church, we would all be wise to pay attention to what God is up to. We would all be wise to listen and look for the divine disruptions God is sending our way, for the people, even the unlikely people God has sent to us, who might be asking us some questions about what we're up to. And shouldn't we be praying? Moving on in the story. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. At that time, those people like that They believed different gods were in control of different things. And when bad things happen, that's because somebody had offended God. And sometimes that's true. We offend God and so bad things happen. So when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded of Jonah. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah, if we understand this in the context of that time, responded a bit arrogantly, pridefully, nationalistically. Oh, me? Well, I'm a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for Jonah had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Why did you do this thing to us? They groaned. I've got to imagine that one of those sailors looked square at Jonah, looked him square in the face and said, whoa, 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 let me understand this. You're a messenger of God and you're running away from the place that God wants you to go to. And, And your God is the God who made everything? Your God is the God who made the sea? So you jumped on a boat and sailed into the middle of the water to get away from the God who's in control of the water. Boy, that is a special kind of stupid. And now what's that going to do to us? Now my life's in danger because of you. I mean, and so it continues. The storm was getting worse all the time. They asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Well, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. It it may seem at first glance that Jonah is finally taking responsibility, that he's finally acting with integrity and courage, that he's finally saying, hey, this is my fault. This is how we take care of it. 
But, but don't miss. I, I think there is a bit of that happening. But don't miss also how he's doing it. He puts the onus on them. He, he could have come forward and confessed right away. Before they cast lots, he could have said, hey, guys, here's the deal. I was sleeping. This storm, uh, it's because of me because I'm not following what God wants for me. Sorry about that. Uh, by the way, the way to make this right, I got to jump ship. So see ya. I'm going to swim the other way. He didn't do that. Hey, he, he missed on some integrity. But part of that is, I think, is he was scared. Part of that is because he wasn't sure how to do that all on his own. But, but Jonah is at least at this point where he realizes if he continues to run, it's not going to get him anywhere. He, he knows he is at a turning point, so he might as well turn around and go the other way. And, and that's a good word for us. The, the, the Bible speaks of that theme regularly, uh, of our need to turn, around, turn around and go the other way. If we are moving away from God, if we're running from God instead of running to God, when we are fleeing from God instead of following God, when we're going the wrong way, going our own way, and we realize, we come face to face with the consequences of that action, and we realize the problem, then we have to stop, turn around, and begin going back the other way. We begin running to God. Instead of away from God, we begin following God instead of fleeing God. We try to draw near to God. And the word the Bible uses for that is repentance. Repentance. So when you're reading your Bible and you come across that word, that's all that word means is run to God instead of away from him. Stop running from God, run back to God. Now, if you're running on your own, it, it gets really easy to run from God. If you're trying to do this, this journey of life, and especially this journey of faith on your own, then after a while you begin making these steps in the wrong direction. It happens so easily, so insidiously, so subtly. We don't often take one giant leap the wrong direction and say, I'm going that way when God has this way for me. But what happens is over time, God wants us to go there and we just start making these small, subtle shifts going the wrong direction. But when we link up with other people, when we trust other people to come alongside us, then they can help us make course corrections along the way. That's why here at Oklahoma Christian Church, we are so big on small groups. It's why I'm such a big champion of small groups throughout my life. Because I've seen the power of doing life together with other people, of linking our lives up with other people. Because they can help us make changes along the way. Instead of having to find out that we have totally run away from God and we find ourselves in the middle of the metaphorical sea, in the middle of a metaphorical storm, and we got to jump into the raging waters. Instead, when we have other people walking beside us to encourage us, to pray for us, to gently nudge us back, to say, hey, you're, you're taking a few degrees off course. Let's go this way. And together, we begin moving closer to God. Together, we encourage each other to take steps closer to God, and we make course corrections together to follow God instead of flee from him. And if you're not in a small group, I just want to encourage you, jump into a small group. This summer, my buddy Mark, our groups guy, has helped several groups get launched. And we've got some more groups on the, on the horizon to be launching. Even this week, we have a group that will start meeting right here on campus Wednesday nights to study the book of Jonah. But we're going to be in this book for the next few weeks. I encourage you to read through it. It's a small book of the Bible. It's really easy to read in just a few minutes even. It's only four chapters long, pretty short. I encourage you to read it this week, but don't just do it on your own. If you're not in a small group, jump into our Jonah group. Get in a group. It'll be one of the best things you do for yourself. So 
Moving back to Jonah. Jonah knows at this point, it's a turning point. He's got to turn it around. So Jonah knows that what's best for him is to stop running from God and start running to God. To stop running from and start running to And so he makes some changes. He says, hey, boys, toss me over. Now, the sailors don't respond with a, oh, that sounds great right away. Let's jump back into the story and see what they say. The sailors instead rode even harder to get the ship to the land. I think those guys said, we don't want his blood on our hands. The first course of action is not to throw this guy overboard. Let's get back to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they could not make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Now notice the shift there. They've been crying out to all these other gods, but they shift, and instead of crying out to all these other gods, they cry out to the one true God, to Jonah's God, and they cry out to him, O Lord, they plead, don't make us die for this man's sin. He says we've got to toss him overboard. Don't hold that against us. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Don't hold us responsible in this crazy storm. God, please make this subside. Please, oh Lord, you have set this storm upon him for your own good reasons. So do to him what you're going to do to him. But please, God, spare us. I love that they changed their tune. But then the next thing they did, the sailors picked Jonah up. And with a one and a two and a see you later, sucker, they threw him into the raging sea And the storm stopped at once. The winds quit howling. The rains stopped falling. The waves stopped bashing against them. Smooth waters. Gentle sailing for those on the ship. Not so much for Jonah. No, at that point, Jonah's story gets worse. He goes from being a runner to being a sailor to being a swimmer to being a sinker. There he is, bombing up and down in the middle of the Mediterranean, slowly sinking in the middle of the sea. And he's probably thinking, this is where my story ends. Now, I want to call a timeout at this point. Because I want to make sure we we all understand something about the way God works and the way this world works. When we run from God, we invite calamity into our life. When we run from God, we invite bad things to happen. We, We invite the storms of life to come our way. And so stormy weather is going to come when we run from God. But not all of the chaos in life is due to our sin and our fleeing God. Some of it just comes on us. Some of it's because it's the collateral damage of decisions other people are making and the storms in their life affects us. Some of it is just because this world is broken and fallen. And we have collectively as humanity for a long, long time rebelled against God. And this world displays that against us. So sometimes... The winds are going to howl, and the waves are going to crash, and the rains are going to fall, and bad things are going to come our way just because that's the way it is. Everyone will face bad days, the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Even Jesus faced stormy weather in his life. But Jesus tells us this. Jesus says, I told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Not that your peace will come circumstantially by calm weather and sunshine and nice days and nobody in your life being sick and your job's all hunky-dory. and No, no, no. Your peace will be found in me, Jesus says. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Not you might, not sometimes. It's you will have them. And there will be many trials, sorrows. The storms of life will come against you no matter what. 
But take heart, don't lose heart, because I, your God, have overcome the world, Jesus says. So when we stop running from God and start running to God, it might mean that the storms of life get calm. But it might not. But it does mean this. It means with Jesus, we can weather any storm that we face. With Jesus, we are okay no matter what storms come our way. And let's be sure that sometimes, sometimes bad things happen just because. Not all the bad things in life happen because of our sin. But sometimes, even much of the time, it is because of our sin. It is because we're running from God instead of running to God. So we're wise when the storm clouds of life roll in. We're wise if we hit the pause button and do some self-examination to to examine our decisions and see if there's any connection between the decisions we make and the problems we face, between the choices we're making and the chaos we're facing. We're wise to hit the pause button there. And if we connect the dots and if we discover that we are out of step with God in some area, then the best thing for us to do is turn around, is to repent, to do just what the Bible says, to stop going from God and start going to God. At that moment, if we connect the dots and see that we're out of step with God, we got to stop fleeing and start following. we got to stop fleeing and start following. Everybody say, stop fleeing. Stop fleeing. All right, we're going to do that again. A little warm up there. I know you didn't say it online either. Even if you're sitting alone or you're sitting with your family in the family room, say it with us, all right? Everybody say, stop fleeing. Stop fleeing. All right, do it one more time. Stop fleeing. Stop fleeing. All right, now say start following. All right, say start following. All right, you're getting it. It's that simple. When we notice the connection between the chaos and our choices, make different choices. Stop running from God, start running to God. Stop fleeing from God, start following God. And get that area of your life in line with God. Because here's one of the problems that happens. When we run from God, we will hurt ourselves, but we won't only hurt ourselves. When we run from God, you'll hurt yourself, but you'll also put everyone close to you in danger of facing the collateral damage from the storms you invite into your life. When you run from God, you invite that danger, that problem, that situation to impact everyone closest to you. And that's a really bad thing. Friends, if there is some area of your life that you are running from God, if God wants you to grow in a way that you are resisting, if God wants you to reach out in a way that you are ignoring, if God wants you to obey in a way you are defying him, then you will bring danger upon yourself. You will bring hurt into your own life, but you will also put everyone close to you at risk for being hurt also. Our sin does not only impact us. Our sin has collateral damage in the lives of those closest to us. Your anger, your selfishness, your lust, your greed, you name it, it won't only impact you. So we must turn it around. Stop running from God and start running to God. Now I want to take a look at those sailors on the boat and see what they did in this moment. Jonah 1.16 The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power when that storm subsided. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve God. They vowed to serve Jonah's God. Now, maybe like me, you were a little skeptical when you first see this and think, wait, 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 wait. These guys start following God? How long did that last? 
Because we all know what happens, right? When, when the world is chaotic and it's spinning out of control and bad things are happening, when the car is sliding on the ice, when the job is unsure, when we're about to be found out for our sin, when things get crazy and chaotic, that's when we make a deal with God. A few years back when the Cubbies were in the World Series, my brother who's a big Cubs fan. God, forgive him. I know he should be a Cards fan, but anyway. But he made a deal with God. God, if you just let him win, then, you know, we make these deals with God that it's somehow going to turn out. I'll give up. And you fill in the blank. My brother listens to things kind of goofy. But we know when it's more serious, we make these deals with God. But what happens on the backside? When things calm down, when things are okay, then we tend to go back on our part of the deal, don't we? That's when we tend to say, hey, God, I, I don't know if I really meant that much. Oh, when I said I was going to give that thing up, I, I meant for a little while, not for the rest of my life. Look, God, you're a God of grace. You're going to let me have some of that back, aren't you? But that's not what happened with these sailors. That's not what they did. They didn't make the deal in the midst of the chaos. They pleaded in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the storm, and said, God, don't kill us and don't hold us accountable for Jonah's death. And then the storm subsided. And then they made the vow to follow God. I get the moment where everybody else would begin to go back on the deal is when these guys began to make the deal. They were so wowed by God that they made a vow to God. Because of the wow, they made a vow. It's cheesy, I know, but it'll help you remember it. Because of the wow, they made a vow. Making a vow to God, determining to follow him, repenting and moving towards God was the only thing that made sense in that circumstance. It was the only thing that made sense given what was going on. Because they had seen God's great power, of course they repented and turned and offered their lives to him. And friend, that's what God desires for us as well. That we would see the awesome power of God on display. and That we would turn and not run from him, but run to him. That we would make a decision to follow and not to flee. But unlike those sailors, we don't need to make a sacrifice. The, the sacrifice has already been made. That, that's what my buddy JC was talking about when we celebrated communion. That, that's what we've been singing about all morning long, that Jesus has already made the sacrifice for us. That what he did on the cross paid the penalty for us. He took our place. He sacrificed. What he asked from us is simply surrender. That, that we surrender ourselves to him. That we acknowledge that we need Jesus to be our savior because we're not very good at saving ourselves. That we need Jesus to be our Lord, to be the leader in our lives. Because when we lead ourselves, we tend to lead into the wrong places. We don't do a very good job leading ourselves. And if you have never made that decision, if you have never gotten on board with Jesus, if you've been making all your own decisions, going your own way, leading yourself... Well, you're here today for a reason. You're watching online for a reason. And you might not even be watching in real time on Sunday morning. You might be watching it Monday morning or Tuesday afternoon or Thursday at 3 a.m. Whenever you're watching this, just know that God has brought you to this point to hear this right here. Your way is leading you the wrong way. Well, what do you got to lose by trying a different way, by trying God's way? What are you going to lose by that? Nothing. But you'll gain everything. So just like Jonah, it's time to jump that ship and get on board with God. Just like Jonah, it's time to jump that ship and get in the water. If you have never linked your life to Jesus, then it's time to hop in that water of baptism. That's not the only part, right? We believe that repentance and confession, confessing our sins and confessing that we need Jesus, that belief and trust and putting our faith in Jesus, that's all part of it. 
But, but part of what God asks of us is to get in the water and to surrender ourselves to him. To put our old way of life to death and come up and do a brand new life. And if you've never made that decision, today's your day. Don't wait. It's only going to get worse. The storm's only going to get worse. The chaos is only going to mount up. Today is the day. Right now is the time. And if you're here today and you've never made that decision, today's your day. If you're joining us online and you've never made that decision, you can type in and let the host know, today's the day. Let us know today's the day for you. If you're ready to make that decision, you meet us. You, you might not even be fully ready, but you got questions. You, you're feeling nudging that way. Join us at the connection spot, the guest connect spot in our lobby on your way out. And if you came with people and you're supposed to go do lunch, you're supposed to head over to Granny's house or you got some other plans, trust me, whoever you came with, they're gonna be excited to wait and they're gonna be excited to change up their plans if you make that decision today. And we got everything necessary for you. We, we got shirts and shorts and we, we got towels and we got hair dryers. We got everything you need back there for you to make that decision today. And you're joining us online, we'll, we'll meet you here this afternoon. You, you're joining us online, it's real time. Hey, if you're watching 3 a.m. on Thursday morning, you call our number. We got an on-call. We'll meet you in the middle of the night. You're watching from another place. I'll drive to another state to have that conversation and baptize you. It's that important. Today is your day. Don't wait. Don't delay. Make the decision. Now, maybe you've made that decision and you've been following Jesus, but you know there's a, there are a few areas of your life that you're a little out of step with God. You're, you're mostly following God, but God doesn't ask for a mostly followership. God asks for a whole life followership. So you take those areas of life and you stop fleeing from him. You stop resisting him. You start moving towards him. You start following him. That's what Jesus desires for you. And if you need help with that, our staff, our elders, we're here for you. We welcome those conversations. Those are favorite kinds of conversations to have. Now, I know we haven't got to the fishy part of Jonah's story yet. That's coming next week. So I'm going to invite you to come back here, join us next week in person, online, whenever. Join us for the fishy part of the story next week. I think you're going to find it's a little bit different than maybe those childhood stories let you believe. And I think the truth we're going to unpack next week is some of the most helpful and most important truths we're going to see in this entire series. Some of the best stuff we'll uncover in our lives. But right now, right now, I'm going to invite you to stand and pray with me. We're going to pray a prayer together. If you're online, go ahead and stand and pray with us. If you're online and you're traveling, you're driving somewhere, don't stand in your car. That's really dangerous. But you pull your car over to the side of the road and you just calm down. You focus in on this. And we're going to pray this prayer together, friends. It'll be right up there on the big screen. And I'm just going to simply lead us through this prayer. Let's pray. God, give me the humility to connect the dots between the choices I make and the problems I face. Give me the courage to run to you in the sunshine as well as in the storm. Jesus, overwhelm me with your peace as I surrender to you. Remind me always that you are bigger than any problem I face. And all God's people said together, amen.